Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. So I think this is the second best opening. Keep it playing, Russ. I think this is the second best opening riff in rock and roll. The second. Waiting for the break of day. Chicago Transit Authority. That's how they started in 1967. For to so let's fade it down, and now I want you to hear the best opening riff. And it's really so short, but you'll hear it, and you'll know. Let's go. It was so short, you didn't hear it. <laughs> it was just a one note that went by so fast we never heard it. So Hard Day's Night by the Beatles, and it was produced by George Martin, the legendary Sir George Martin, who died a few days ago at age 90. George Martin, the, the legendary Sir George Martin, also produced this. Closer, let me whisper in your ear. So there's a song written by Lennon McCartney, and it's sung by Billy J. Kramer. And Billy J. Kramer is on the line with me right now on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Billy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I, I have to tell you, when I started out as a, as a kid in radio, in, in high school, I did uh, schlock radio a lot of the time on FM, which was like, you know, Montevani and all that stuff. It was, right. my, it was my shot at radio at 16. And then once in a while, somebody wouldn't show up, or they'd give me the morning show on the rock station, and I got to play your music. So it's kind of well, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I was thank a big you. fan. Thanks. Thanks a lot. George Martin, uh, I'll talk to Paul Levinson in a second. George Martin, what does he mean to you? Um, George Martin, to me, um, I think, you know, uh, thinking about it over the last few days, I mean, if he wouldn't have signed the Beatles and recorded the Beatles, uh, we, we would have missed out on a lot of unbelievable music, you know. I mean, thanks to George Martin, um, he did, and the Beatles changed the world, and 
thanks to George, you know. I mean, his records to me, without without today's technology, to me, they were less forever of classics. Yeah, and it really is. That's something that has to be stressed. There was no technology like exists today. It was you guys with microphones and guitars and some some basic, was it four-track studios? Is that what you had? Yeah, at the most, and uh, we, we had to do it for real. You know, yeah, exactly. there was no auto tune or nothing. You know, so cool talking to you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, no, really. Uh, what? Tell me. Tell me something about what, what did George Martin do as far as producing was concerned. What did? What does it mean when you say George Martin produces Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas? And do you listen? Do you want to know a secret? What did he do? Um, well, uh, for instance, like when I. When I record songs, he, you know, I, I'd like, um, do you want to know a secret? Which was John Lennon on an acoustic guitar. There was people that, that asked me about what demos I had. I didn't. We we With that, we just got John on an acoustic guitar, and we sat in the studio with George, and we worked out the chords, and uh, he would embellish, you know, he would change things. You know, if it was something that was a flat, he'd say, Let's play a sharp or a diminished or, you know, right. and he would uh, get the best out of what was yeah. there, you know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I keep saying it. I keep saying it's cool. It's, it's like I'm re, it's like I'm rediscovering words I haven't used for 50 years. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had a lot of little tricks up his sleeve. You know, we did a lot of uh, slowing down tracks and speeding them up, you know. And, yeah. He made um, the difference, huh? I made a lot of difference, yeah, you know. Yeah. My good friend Paul Levinson, professor of communications and media studies at Fordham University, pop culture expert, science fiction author, songwriter, singer, record producer in the 60s when he worked with legendary rock jocks Wolfman Jack and Murray the K. And uh, 1972, one of uh, Paul's albums uh, included, um, we're going to hear it in a couple of minutes, uh, Looking for Sunsets from the Twice Upon a Rhyme LP. I know a lot about you, Paul Levinson. Um, touching the face of the cosmos on the intersection of space travel and religion, an anthology with leading thinkers is Paul's most recent book. When you, uh, Paul, when you hear uh, Billy J. Kramer, do you do you kind of wander back to those days? Because I just did. Well, first of all, it's great to hear Billy J. Kramer almost in person on the phone. And actually, I don't wander back to those days because they're always in my head. Uh, I think about uh, from a window, you know, late yesterday night I saw light shine from a window. It's, it's such a great Yeah, exactly. Song. I feel like talking up to vocal. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so I don't know if other people are like me, but I'm never really away from, from that music. And by that music, I mean... A little of the late 1950s, but basically all of the 1960s. And, uh, of course, you know, the Beatles and Billy J. Kramer and all of those great groups. Tell us, uh, from your perspective, Paul, what did George Martin mean to rock and roll? What did George Martin bring to that fantastic decade of the 60s, which really changed not only what we listened to, but how we lived? Well, most people in the world, when they hear music, they know who the artist is. You know, that's the upfront package. And then a lot of people also know who the writers of the songs are. So, you know, we know that 
Billy J. Kramer, you know, sang a bunch of fabulous songs. We know that uh, in some cases, Lennon and McCartney, in other cases, just McCartney, in other cases, uh, John Lennon wrote the songs. In one case, Burt Bacharach wrote a great song that uh, Billy J. Kramer recorded. So most people know that. But most people are not aware of a third extremely important person responsible for what a record sounds like, and that person is the record producer. That's the person who says, hey, we need a little more bass there. Let's put in this special effect. I just got a copy of uh, Do You Want to Know a Secret, uh, Billy J. Kramer's superb autobiography. I'm going to be reviewing it on my blog. And, uh, you know, just reading it actually last night, and I really smiled at one passage where Billy says how George Martin at some point took a coin out of his pocket and scraped it against uh, the piano strings to, to get a particular sound. And that's exactly what producers do. Like on one of my songs on that Twice Upon a Rhyme album, Today is Just Like You, I wanted a special sound, so I just was drinking something, and there was ice in the glass with liquid, and I just was sort of shaking that ice, uh, you know, right next to the microphone. Well, George Martin was a genius when it came to doing that, and he knew when to put in a harpsichord. He knew when to put in another vocal and I'm sure, you know, and I've also seen in, uh, in Billy's book, not every single thing that George Martin suggested worked or maybe the artist uh, didn't even agree with. But if you think about the number of just outstanding records that George Martin produced, he is, more than any other person, uh, responsible for the sound of the 1960s, yeah. which, according to me, is the greatest sound oh it was fantastic it was absolutely not it it, it it allowed me to grow up well maybe partially um but but it allowed us to to experience you know we did we we learned new things we we stepped outside of the sort of the common way of things how things had been done until the 1960s and it allowed us to do it to the accompaniment or, or, or sometimes the persuasion of some of the greatest rock and roll music that that was ever written or ever produced or ever recorded yeah, I remember I read somewhere in the Village Voice, a local paper here in New York, years ago that as bad as things were politically in the 1960s, and they were pretty bad, I mean, as bad as things are now in the United States, they were even worse in many ways in the 60s. But if you were in a car and you're driving around and, you know, the windows are rolled down and you have the radio turned up, that was really something that almost made everything okay. And you're listening to Billy J. Kramer right. and the Dakotas. Let me take a quick break. We're going to come back with Billy J. Kramer and Paul Levinson, Professor Paul Levinson, talk some more and uh, listen to a little more music. And I have uh, some questions for my guests. Stick around. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Billy J. Kramer, and we lost a couple of seconds off the front of the song there, but I want you to listen as well 
with me is, uh, along with Billy, is Professor Paul Levinson, Professor of Communications and Media Studies at Fordham University. Paul is one of the great pop culture experts in the world, at Paul Lev on Twitter. Here's a little bit of Paul Levinson, 1972, from, uh, what was the name of the album, Paul? Twice Upon a Rhyme. Twice Upon a Rhyme, and the song is Looking for Sunsets. Have a listen. Looking for sunsets in the early morning. Always longing for more. Looking for sunsets when the world is calling. And love is hiding from the wrong. So I sent you an email, Paul, and I said some songs represent their decade. And I meant that in a complimentary way. That song represents the 1970s. Well, thank you. <laughs> hey, Billy, don't you think? I think it sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds good. I didn't know that you had an autobiography out. Paul just, uh, I didn't know that until Paul mentioned it. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's coming out May 3rd, actually. Okay. Looking forward to reading it. Could you, uh, could you share a story with us, uh, a Billy J. Kramer story from the autobiography that we all need to hear? Um, no. No? <laughs> Can I seriously, well, you know, uh, what, kind, what kind of story do you want? Well, um, uh, do you want something to, to, regarding George Martin? Yeah, I just wonder, did you guys hang out together, you know, the, the artists from the um, 60s in England? Did you, did you, were you sort of a, a clan, a group that you, you met away from the studio, met on tour, would, hung out, became we would, friends? We would, uh, not, not so much with George, you know, because George was older, and um, but we used to hang out, out in clubs and things, and, you know, late-night clubs like the Crumb William and the Scots of St. James and, and things like that. Yeah, so, so you were friends with Lennon and McCartney and Starr and Harrison and... Well, I was very fortunate that I did, you know, they did weeks in every town and city in England, and I was very lucky to do them tours with them, and um, it was a great great period and great experience in, in, in my life, you know. Yeah. How old were you? Were, pardon? How old were you? I was 19, and funny enough, the, the picture on the front of the book um, was taken um, the day of my 20th birthday, and that's... When John Lennon told me about the song "Bad to Me," oh, I'm kidding, eh? Yeah, let's I, just say here it's a great picture, and I actually I have a great story to tell from the book, uh, from Billy's book, apropos of George Martin. I think it, it it concerns "Bad to Me," if I remember correctly, that basically, for some reason, George Martin wanted it uh, in a higher key than Billy was able to sing, and B- Billy told him a few times you have to lower the key to I think D. And George Martin, even though he was a genius, resisted that. But probably the reason that Billy put this in the book is eventually George Martin saw the light and uh, reduced the key to one that Billy could sing at his best, and that's one of the reasons why the record is such a great record. You know, it's, you know, uh, quite honestly, I I tried singing in, in, in recently, and it wasn't a problem. Uh, I, I just thought that when I sang in the, in E, um, um, because it's higher, you have to sort of put a lot more effort. And I thought the song was, you know, was a nice, love, lovely song, and it didn't need that real heavy uh, vocal on it, you know. 
You're, you're 19 years of age. By the way, I had one of those photographs in an old passport. I had to go bring an old passport to a Canadian government office. For, I forget the reason, a couple of years ago. So the guy in the government office looks at my passport. Okay, I was 23 years old at the time. He looked at me and he said, what happened to that guy? <laughs> you're, you're, you're 19 years of you're 19 years of age. You're recording. Did you have any idea what was going to happen? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I didn't have a clue to tell you the truth. And um, especially, you know, with the order of a secret, it was a song that we. Funny enough, we we learnt it. And we'd well, I, we we did the stint in in Hamburg at the Star Club, and um, we came back from there, and we did it with George and. Um, I was very surprised when Brian called me and said, "We're going to re- George is very happy with you want to know a secret and he wants to release it, you know." And I, I remind myself, you know, because you you never know. I mean, there's sometimes you think, "Hey, I've got a shot with this one." Um, other times, you know, I'll be honest with you, you don't have a clue. I I I, uh, I didn't have a clue that you want to know a secret was was going to be such a big hit. Yeah, it was. I think uh, what brought what brought it to the attention of the public was at the time there was a political scandal going on in England called the Profumo Trials. And there was politicians who were knocking about uh, underage hookers and that kind of stuff. And Johnny Hatch, who had this show called Thin Success, he had me on throwing, uh, pushing cabinets over and throwing secret files apparently all over the studio. And it kind of that was the thing that started people paying attention and buying the record. Yeah. Well, I have to say, uh, gentlemen, because we only have about a minute left. I was, I had planned to do tomorrow with you, but I've got other things that I have to squeeze in. The world's events have taken over the show. Um, but we have a minute left. Paul, would you please put into perspective for us what that decade, again, was all about? Well, it was a very revolutionary decade. You know, here in the United States, the civil rights movement finally came of age. Uh, It was the first blush of the feminist uh, movement. And, of course, it was the decade in which people were protesting uh, the Vietnam War. Uh, and but at that same time, you had this extraordinary outpouring of musical expression, and it's not that music wasn't significant prior to that. I mean, obviously you have Frank Sinatra, you have the Paul Whiteman band decades before that, but there was something about the music of the 1960s which made it burst out and appeal to many, many, many millions more people than it did previously, and it right. became part of everyone's life. Well, gentlemen, I thank you so much for joining us. Billy, I'm going to get your book for sure. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, And I hope to talk to you again and really take me back to my days when I was a rock jock. And we used to say, while the others are talking, we're rocking. And now I'm talking and they're rocking. So it all comes full circle, I guess. And Paul Levinson, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, Paul. Always a privilege. Same here. And good talking to you, Billy, too. Good night. Nice to hear you, Paul. Thanks, guys. All the best. We'll come back on the Roy Green Show on the Cornus Radio Network. Stay with us.